Aloha Warriors, wanted to give you some valuable info. The fine folks at Buddha Brothers have released three digital martial arts seminars that you can study in the privacy and safety of your own home. And you can not only purchase them and learn all kinds of cool stuff, you can also support the show in the Adventure Mind movement. To learn more, go to www.adventuremind.net slash budo. That is www.adventuremind.net slash B-U-D-O. My guest this week, Sensei William Ford, a man who I greatly respect and who I have found to be consistent on and off the mat. I, I can't say enough good stuff about this man. And uh, at the time that we recorded this several weeks ago, uh, dipping back into our backlog of recordings here for you, uh, the following was not true. Sensei Ford's show, 52 Masters, was previously only on YouTube and has now made its way to Amazon Prime Video. And you can uh, eventually, as more episodes start making their way to the platform, you can see my uh, bearded face, bearded at the time, bearded no longer. Uh, But uh, yeah, I I actually was privileged to be a guest on his show, and he came back around and was a guest on mine. So if you would like to learn more and uh, check out the show, which I greatly enjoy, and independent of being a guest on it, uh, 52 Masters on Prime Video. And without further ado, Sensei William Ford. And welcome once again, my friends, Joshua Loya, a.k.a. Joshua the Jedi, the aspiring servant warrior. Here with me is a man I, I greatly respect, uh, and uh, I'm happy to have on the show, uh, Sensei William Ford. How are you, sir? I'm doing great. How are you, Sensei? Yeah, doing well. It is, it, honestly, uh, because of the, the regard I have for you, and you've been around the martial arts uh, process in your own journey for a long time, it is humbling and and still surreal to have uh somebody uh my senior as yourself to call me sensei that's i'm still not used to that and i've been a black belt for a few years now so <laughs> <laughs> well uh i you know i'm kind of old school in some regards and i i i like to you know address people by titles that they have earned it gets a little ridiculous with some of these key jokers out there who <laughs> insist on calling being called, you know, super supreme grandmaster. And I at the grocery store, no less. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. It gets a little silly at some point, but you know, the reason why I like to call you sensei is one, you deserve the title, you put Thank the you, work sir. in, and you don't ask to be called sensei. No, so. well, and that's just it. Like the only time I ever really request it is at the dojo during class when I'm teaching. And, and, and yeah. you know, or, or if I'm assisting in teaching outside of that, I could care less. It's not wrong for my students to call me sensei. It was really disorienting the first time that it happened. I was still playing in a rock band and uh, I get off stage and one of my students and I'm still in the afterglow of performance and mm-hmm. still thinking, you know, rock star mode. And all of a sudden I hear off, you know, the su- edges of the stage, sensei, that was awesome. And I, I <laughs> You know, it's those those whole thing of the world's colliding thing. But you're looking around for your sensei, like almost. Is my almost. sensei here? <laughs> I I totally hear you, but um, you know, sensei is not a literal translation into teacher. It's a title given to teachers, mm-hmm. but also doctors and you know, massage therapists and you know, people 
like that. So, you know, and it actually means firstborn or someone who came before you, you know, in a particular field. So there's some misunderstanding that it, you know, it's a title used for teacher. If you Google it, it oftentimes says sensei means teacher. But if you go into an actual, you know, uh, deeper look, it doesn't translate literally as teacher. It just means firstborn. And I like that. That That's an element of translation that I hadn't heard before. I'd heard the uh, and it was explained to me by, by a couple of, of people that I've studied with that, and maybe this is a inaccurate, perhaps, you're, you're, you're kind of clued into some of the tradition. I've heard it translated as one that has walked the path and can show others the way. I don't know how accurate that is to the Japanese language, because I only really know a couple of martial arts terms, to tell you the truth. I think that's acceptable, and I think that that you know, can, can be connected to being firstborn. One who's walked the path before, firstborn, you know, and even though somebody may be chronologically older, um, you know, it's basically somebody who's walked the path and um, done what they've needed to do, learn what they needed to learn to get to level one, Shodan, which is the very beginning of the journey. The journey never ends, and and you know that. For sure, absolutely. And actually, that was one of the cool things. One of the things that really included me in, I mean, I I had knew known of you th- primarily through uh, our mutual friend Mario, who, who tends to really eschew martial arts titles a lot of the time, despite his, his uh, you know, very well-earned um, pedigree in that regard. But, yeah, uh, Mario's great, and he's, he's a very <laughs> humble guy, but yeah. um, he's fantastic, and he's been a great friend, a great martial artist, a wonderful teacher, uh, yeah. and just a, just a hell of a great human being. So I... I can't say enough good things about Mario, Sensei Mario. Yeah. <laughs> uh, one of the things that that really impressed me, though, after you know getting to to learn about you and and to to study with you just for the like the one seminar or whatever it was the the Nahanji seminar I think is um, your idea of staying the perpetual white belt. You know, you did that thing uh, that book that uh, mm-hmm. Andrea and I were privileged to be a part of called The Beginner's Mind. And you you really are, are into this whole idea of learning. I mean, you've been doing martial arts, I think you said for what, like 45 years or something to this point? Yeah, in May, I hit my 46th year. So maybe uh, when we come up on the 50th anniversary, we can do something cool as a community. That'd be very cool. And and yet you you have no problem training with a bunch of other people. Um, you know, you're... you're your foundation is is traditional uh, uh, Shorinru, I think. Correct. That's correct, sir. Yeah. So, so you know, but yet you also uh, have some experience in Filipino martial arts and Brazilian jiu jitsu, and then you did something which I thought was really cool. Uh, you have a YouTube show, and you know, probably not surprising to a lot of people right now. It's been a minute since you've released an episode, but you went and you went out of your way to have a whole bunch of people teach you arts or variations of arts that you didn't have nearly as much experience in you kind of just to be a a beginner again yeah that's um a great experience i highly recommend everybody do it um you know there's you know it takes what how many lifetimes to you know to get somewhat decent right so um but uh, i i just love to learn uh it's a great honor being able to spend time with people and learn something uh, about their art and also about themselves. I love I love talking to people and finding out about some of the things that they've been through. So how do they got started in training and uh, how they feel about certain things? You know, that's 
that's really the heart of the show is I think being able to, for people to kind of show their heart a little bit. And, sure. uh, it, it becomes very human and very conversational, which I love. Speaking of that, how did you get started? I, I know a little bit, but you know, the, uh, some of this probably would be new for me anyway. Okay. Well, thank you for asking. <laughs> um, I was about seven years old when I first started learning karate. Um, prior to that, my, exposure to martial arts had been through the David Carradine show Kung Fu, which was my favorite show when it came out. <laughs> it was like, this dude is superhuman, you know, and that's really cool. So I, yeah. I loved, I loved it when he busted out with his martial arts, you know, and <laughs> I was like, Oh, you know, and then there was a theme park in Southern California, Buena Park, California, to be specific. Um, that was called Japanese deer park and village. It was a place that recreated a feeling of being in uh, the Japan of an older time. So the decor was very Japanese, and they had Japanese dance shows, and um, they also had a live karate show, which I had... My parents had taken me to this place, and you know we were looking at the, um, the brochure, and... My dad was like, hey, let's go see the karate show. And that was the first time I'd ever seen martial arts perform live. The performer and his group was none other than Master Fumio Demura. And, and, and for those of you who don't know, this guy is is a legend. He was is the, the guy that uh, um, Mr. Miyagi was, was heavily based on. Yes, and he was also the stunt double for Pat Morita. So the, the karate <laughs> that you see in the Karate Kid movies by... Mr. Miyagi is uh, is actually Sensei Demura doing it, and um, that was the first time I'd seen karate live. So those two, uh, Kung Fu and Sensei Demura, were my first two influences. Got into karate. My first instructor was named Glenn Robago, and I got into it because my buddy had already signed up with him, and he says, "Hey, I'm taking karate, and you got to go." And I'm like, "Okay, that sounds like fun." <laughs> so. Check this out. I go and I meet with Sensei Glenn Robago, who is uh, the brother of Sensei Richard Robago, who was my main sensei throughout my journey. And, sure. And, but uh, Sensei Glenn Robago was there during the week, and I meet him. And so I, I get the feeling that I got to talk to him like Kane does on Kung Fu. <laughs> so, you know, and he's just this brother from Hawaii, right? You know, and so... Right. But, I start talking like Kane from Kung Fu, <laughs> you know, just, and, and my does, mom's he, does he roll some, some, some pigeon on you and just kind of, he's like, Hey, Hey, how you, you know, like, and I'm like, you know, <laughs> so, Hey, uh, you, you like try karate. And I'm like, yes, but master first, I must use the bathroom. And my mom's looking at me like, what is wrong with you, man? You know, <laughs> so, TV is so, a powerful influencer for a young kid. It is. And I, yeah, you know, I, I put the karate uniform on and, and, I, and I didn't know to tie them. So as soon as I did one jumping jack, the whole thing just pops open, you know? And um, <laughs> so I, I have my first day of class and I think, oh, this is pretty cool, right? And I go back home. I'm still in my gi and I get home and, you know, my mom's driving her her Chevy Nova. We pop out of the car and the neighbor kids, uh, the next next door I, re I remember them it was two brothers and a sister and they were the anaya family and sometimes they babysat me and um the younger brothers memo and uh, tito and memo were like 
eh, he's knows karate. And so I was like in my mind, well, that's my cue. So I go inside my house and I keep my gi on, but they come up to the porch where they can see in through the front, you know, the living door, right. living room window. I purposely uh, open the curtains and I start so- practicing all my moves. <laughs> this is my first day in a gi, man. I'm going to wipe You're out. Like, yeah. <laughs> you know, and I'm doing stuff and, you know, I, I'm just thinking I'm showing off, man. And they think I am like the master of masters, man. So I was like, oh, this is great, man. It makes me think of Danielson trying to, to practice the kicks out of the book in, uh, well, Mr. Miyagi's fi- fixing the, the pipes there. <laughs> yeah. Well, be that as it may, you know, when I go back to class, I came to find out that since Glenn Robago was um, – you know, he was moody and he had his demons sure. and there were times when he kind of beat us up and not in a good way, you know, like, you know, he would spar with us and he could show that he could beat us up to the point where he kind of hurt us, you know, and it, it, he, it was, was a pretty rough sensei is what you're saying. He was rough, but he was, you know, and I have nothing against old school training, but he was irresponsible, you know? So, mm. and he made me afraid. He didn't, he didn't give me tools to get, make me empowered. He, um, he, I felt bullied you know and he was also very inconsistent you know he would call my mom at the last minute oh you know i can't make it to class today Mm. you know you know and as i said you know he had his own personal stuff going on and eventually his brother sensei richard robago took over the school and was there on a more full-time consistent basis and uh, under him i just flourished because um sensei richard robago was really really just you know a straight shooter he was honest he was kind he worked you hard but and he, you know and man you know it was it was kind of old school training for sure but he never injured anybody you know? and, and i think that's the key difference you know uh, uh, is you want to uh you know speaking thinking back um you want a sensei that will challenge you mm-hmm. and will will push you to your limit but not push you past that you know i Certainly, experienced that not so much with any of the the sensei that I that you know that I've trained with, um, and thank for the most part none of my martial arts instructors over the years. But I mm-hmm. have had that in other athletics where people kind of push you, and they kind of they don't know that line. They think they're being a good coach, but they're just kind of being a bully. Yeah, it's it's a fine line, you know, somebody who can yeah. really really push you, and at the same time, you know, you you never get that it's personal, and you mm-hmm. know, um, and you know, so I never. Uh, you know, since everybody would push us, but you know, I never was uh, angry at him or, you know, it was just like, wow, this is cool training. Now, if you flash forward for a few years, you know, I'm in it in about three or four years and I'm doing what, you know, most people do is they kind of get bored, right? You get burned out. Mm -hmm. And then what happened was Sensei Robago says, hey, we've all been invited down as a dojo to go down to this, watch this movie. It's going to be down in Hollywood. And we all get to get in free as long as we wear our geese. So even my mom, my mom got a gi, you know, it's like they gave my mom a gi because, you know, she was, and then we, we all carpooled down there. And the movie was the premiere of The Game of Death. And um, Oh, wow. Yeah. Now this, you know, uh, it, it had been a few years, right? Sure. Rumor had it that there was this unfinished footage, you know, with Bruce. Right. And a right? lot of a lot of it was actually not even Bruce at all. <laughs> you get right down to it. It wasn't. Um, but the see, here's the thing. You know, I, I, I was like, wow, you know, we get to go to a movie. This is cool. You know, and for me, I was like, you know, watching 
all these stunt doubles do it. I didn't realize that, you know, it was, it's a pretty bad movie when you look at it, you know, now it's like, <laughs> Oh, this is kind of an awful movie. And I didn't realize that it really wasn't Bruce, you know, but in the beginning that fight with Chuck Norris that they re-edited repurposed for the purpose of the film. Sure. I'm like, wow, this is great. You know, that title sequence still to me, the music and the title sequence in the yep. beginning still stands up. And so I'm enjoying this whole thing, not realizing that, you know, they're, you know, they're taking, cutouts and putting pasting it on the other dude's body and so on and so forth um but they get to the last part where he climbs the tower and he meets with uh, guru dan in osanto and here's what happened the the audience just starts going nuts and they start taking pictures of the screen it's like like it's like he showed up on the stage himself bruce lee and people just went nuts and you know me as a 12 year old boy i'm going well what's going on what what changed and it was something like, I don't know, 13 minutes or something like that, where it was the real Bruce. Right. And I, it, it changed my life forever. That movie, um, I was like, I, I, this is a guy that I want to be like. And so then it was about, oh, it, I, you know, I, I ordered from the Philadelphia, it was the Asian World of Martial Arts located in Philadelphia. And I got the gold and black nunchuck. That was in the game of death. <laughs> How I mean, long these, was it before you hit yourself in the face? Oh, uh, it was like like minutes, you know. But, <laughs> you know, my mom, you know, wrote the check, you know, and I sent it out, and I waited at my mailbox every day. Back then, they would actually send it to California, right? And so, yeah. and they came, and it was like I opened that package up, and I swear I heard the, <laughs> you know, I mean, it was. But and I still have those new checks to this day. That's I, cool. I still do. I, it's 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 a it's a great momentum of that time, and it's a reminder of um, you know that fire that I developed. And um, you know, then of course I, I went on to see Enter the Dragon and all these other films, and I, I began to really you know study who he was, and you know, and my view on Bruce Lee still one of my role models as far as you know my inspirations, just like Muhammad Ali. Um, I realized that he was a very human person. Sure, um, I. You know, he died at a, in, in, in his uh, prime. And I mean, so he, we actually just hit uh, yesterday, uh, yesterday was was the uh, 47 years, I think, since since he passed. I believe that's correct. 47 yeah. years. Yeah, yesterday. Yeah. So still a big influence in, in my life, of course. You know, and, and I've, I've also, you know, I have other heroes and inspirations that I have um, looked up to over the years. Many, many, many. Uh, and he certainly was... Probably the first, though, um, outside of Fumio Demura and um, the character of Kwai Chang Kane. So technically, <laughs> Bruce Lee was the third character. <laughs> well, we, we all have our heroes and those things that kept you going. And uh, was that also your your introduction to, to film and acting? Because you know, not you're not only a, a, a martial artist, but you're also an actor, and you've you've made some films and and been involved in the arts for uh, quite a number of years, also. Well, there was another film that influenced me. That was that that spark of that off. A um, little, little independent film, and I'm, I'm I'm kind of half kidding about this. Called Star Wars, <laughs> and I saw Star Wars in 1977 in the theaters. Uh, my buddy Brian Johnson, who I'm still in touch with, said, "Hey, you know, do you want to go see Star Wars?" And I had never seen a movie before. I'm like, "Okay." So the first movie I saw in the theater was Star Wars. It's kind and, of hard to, to hold up to that. I, I was just thinking about like by comparison. Well, yeah, not as good as Star Wars, but. <laughs> I'll tell you what, my you know my favorite character was Han Solo, and I love the Millennium Falcon. And Harrison Ford, you know, then went on to do uh, Blade Runner, and 
Indiana Jones. Indiana Jones. Yeah. And so he was like my first inspiration to be like uh, an actor. So it was Bruce Lee and Harrison Ford. And I was like, yeah, those are my heroes, man. Those are the guys that I want to, I want to make movies like that. Sure. So that's, that's where my inspiration, real quickly, speaking of Star Wars, like who are Uh your, who, who, who are a few of your favorite characters? You know, it's, um, the the one the, the two that resonate the most with me actually are uh, Obi Wan and Yoda, mm. Mm. and and part of that was is you know I I've talked about this before so um, it's funny that your first movie was was uh, was Star Wars you know uh, our, our mutual friend C, uh, Sifu Singh gave me the the Jedi nickname, <laughs> um, but for me when I started uh, in martial arts it was actually heavily influenced by Obi Wan. You know, my, my dad's in my life, but there were definitely periods where he wasn't around mm. and I wanted that powerful male role model. Mm-hmm. And, and I, I early on, even as a kid, I couldn't quite describe it at, at the time, but now as an adult, you know, I look at, um, the pay, cause I also was, uh, fairly young, uh, you know, I'm 40 now. So I, I saw Karate Kid early in its mm. release mm. and something about, Obi-Wan and Mr. Miyagi and, mm-hmm. and also uh, Yoda to some degree, though his style was a little different, but there was the, it was the teacher that knew exactly what Luke needed. Mm. It was the, it was the, the, the teacher that would challenge, we were just talking about it, that would challenge you without overstepping mm. and it was kind of ready. So like I, it's, it, it, it's hard for me not to, um, and, and I'm, to pull from the Karate Kid and see it because I see such a huge parallel between the two. So, like Obi Wan was there for Luke and and was op- opened up for him um, a world where he could actually fully, more fully discover who he is, who he was, and there was a patience about it. And and I I very closely saw the link between uh, Obi Wan and Mr Miyagi in the sense that uh, there's a there's that scene. Daniel son breaks his bike. He just he he can't have it. And, and still, this day, I don't cry very much, but I, I I cry every single time. There's the scene when 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 Daniel breaks breaks his bike, throws it in the trash, and just you know he's he's done with it. And um, the the circuitous route to get to the objective was the thing that I really appreciated about both of them. Is um, Obi Wan just taught. He waited till Luke was ready. Yoda. You know, basically, he played the the aloof sort of. I, you know, uh, who are you looking for? Oh, uh, you're looking for Yoda. I'll show you where Yoda is. You know, uh, and at the same time, you know, Mr. Miyagi, he didn't directly talk to Daniel about his struggle. He just went and he fixed his bike. Mm-hmm. And um, it, it's it's hard for me to separate that. Because I think one of the things that that truly inspires me is being a good teacher, being a teacher that my students need. You know, at first I got into martial arts because I wanted to, you know, protect myself and avoid some some personal things that I had gone through and to make sure that never happened again. And, and after I got to training, I was like, well, I want to I want to help other people have the you know, have, I want to be the teacher that other people might need. And so for me, actually, it's funny that you mentioned, you know, Star Wars, it's a heavy influence for me. Mm. So, you know, you can tell I can never answer a question simply. <laughs> <laughs> well, that's good. 
That is very good, actually. But uh, but yeah, definitely Yoda, Yoda and uh, and and Obi Wan for sure for me. I definitely feel a connection to Obi Wan, and I've enjoyed seeing um, them explore his younger days, you know, through um, the prequels and the Clone Wars and uh, and things like that. I, I have obviously a connection to Han Solo, but um, also Boba Fett, uh, you know. Yep. You know, r- rumors are we're going to get to see him in season yeah. two of the Mandalorian. I'm, I'm, I'm looking forward to that. I've been, I've been waiting since I've been waiting for 30 years for that man. So <laughs> I can't wait. I cannot wait. And I love the Mandalorian. I just think that that captures the essence of the star Wars that I, that I like. And mm-hmm. here's the thing, you know, a lot of people don't like the sequels, the Disney sequels. Um, they're okay to me. Um, but you know, you don't have to like every aspect of star Wars because sure. there's, so much now in the universe so okay you know what if the sequels aren't for you check out the clone wars or check out the mandalorian or you know so i i think there's enough there to keep you know star wars fans happy and there's certainly no reason for star wars fans to be hating on each other (laughs) you know it's funny i I, there's this thing that goes along since uh that star wars fans don't really like star wars they like to to talk about how much they hate Star Wars, <laughs> <laughs> well, and there's a li- I think there's a little bit of truth in that, but you know. yeah, I, I would say I, I think you're right there, absolutely. <laughs> but but we, you know, I and honestly too, like uh, one of the things that I, I do hear that with the, some of the new movies, they're they're uh, bringing in back uh, George at least as a consultant, so he's going to be involved again. So we'll kind of see if there's a little of that common thread or flavor. I, I'm hearing that there's going to be some retconning and you know things like that, uh, particularly in regards to the Last Jedi. So we'll we'll see. We'll see. <laughs> but uh, yeah, uh, you know, don't get me started. <laughs> <laughs> oh, we, we, you know. Um, but as far as as far as film goes, so so you, you so Star Wars and obviously Han Solo and Harrison Ford mm-hmm. and Bruce Lee. Mm-hmm. Um, when did you start acting too? So you kind of got into that a little. Well, you know, I was doing plays, you know, I think my first role was a shepherd in a, in, in a Christmas story. And like, I was in the first grade or something like that. Sure. And I, I played Cato in a high school uh, production of the Pink Panther Strikes Again. So a little bit cast as, you know, uh, right. typecasting there, but I got to wear this. Cool, Not even the right ethnicity either. <laughs> yeah. I, I was digging it though, you know, just cause I got to wear the, the you, got to, you got to be the Bruce Lee uh, analog there exactly yeah. exactly and then um i i got i went to community college at el camino college in torrance and then i got into some acting classes there and i just realized that wow i can actually become you know some background on me is that i'm probably more naturally an introvert and quiet and you know i was very shy as a child and martial arts definitely helped help me overcome a lot of that you know and so has acting and so has teaching but uh you know coming out of high school still being shy mm-hmm. um I, I learned that i could express myself through becoming someone else you know you kind of get to hide behind the role a little bit and it's kind of interesting because you are portraying a character yet you're drawing from yourself sure. and, you know what you draw from yourself and some of these are things that you amplify or or you uh, turn the volume down on a little bit, but that becomes your portrayal and interpretation of this character. And I was just like, wow, this is very free, you know? And, you know, you're playing, like, let's say you're, you're doing something that's scripted 
you're playing something and you feel very much in the moment, even though, you know, the characters may not be in this moment. So it's just something very Zen about acting for me. And that's what kind of sparked the interest in, well, maybe I can, maybe I can, you know, re, you know, that dream I had of making movies, maybe I can realize Maybe it's it. not so unrealistic after all. I met some of my best friends in, in, in acting class too, who are still my, you know, my brothers, uh, because, you know, like one of my buddies, Eric Coleman, who's still my, my very, very good friend. He sure. was a big Star Trek fan as well as Star Wars, but he had this like Star Trek pin on his jacket and, and we were in acting class. I said, Hey, Star Trek. And like, we've never turned back ever since, you know? And so we still refer nice. to each other as captain and things like that. Um, <laughs> I like both. So, you know, no, no hate. Yeah. I, I love them both. Um, but, um, yeah, that's what started. And then I started reading books on the business of acting and it's like, well, how do you, you know, how do you get into this business? And mm-hmm. back then everything was, you know, your, your photographs were in black and white. They were shot on film and you had to submit, there was a, a newspaper that you could get called the drama log and you'd go and get it every week. And then it's like, Oh, there's these things that I could, you know, submit myself for. And then you'd go get an envelope and mail it. And then if you had an agent back then, it would be like, Hey, you know, just call me every few weeks. And they check in, Oh, we're submitting you. No worries. Bring more pictures. And I'd be like, Oh man, I'm running out of pictures. I got to go down and get some more pictures printed. Um, it was like, uh, things changed a little bit. (laughs) Yeah. And then when I got back into it, like in the two thousands, you know, my buddy is telling me, Hey man, everything's digital now. Uh, the pictures are color. I'm like, what color? You know, yeah, it's like back in the day, if you showed up with a color picture, they'd be like, what are you, an amateur? And now if you show up with a black and white picture, they're going, oh, it's cool. What are you, an amateur? (laughs) Um, It is easier now in the sense that, you know, there's, there was more product being made because uh, film, there, there's the ability now through digital technology for more product to be made by, you don't have to be a, you know, a studio to make good films. You can do it. You know, everybody owns their own cameras now. People know how to edit. There are platforms that you could put it on, even if it is on YouTube. So um, I was lucky Speak. enough. Go ahead. Go ahead. No, I'm, I'm laughing because a, a little bit because that's one of the things you're endeavoring to do yourself. You had a couple of projects in the works. Well, um, you know, I definitely I did Karate Kid. I was very, very fortunate to get to get work on that. Uh, that was a lot of fun. W- when are they going to bring Dennis back for Cobra Kai? That's the real question we want to know. You know, I, <laughs> I, I know Karate Kid got- Three specifically is when uh, what Sensei Ford was in. I've got some fans who actually are like, "Hey, you know, we've been we've been writing in, you know, and um, I think there's a lot of potential for his character, um, but it has to fit in with what the writers and producers sure. want to do as far as their whole story arc." Um, huh. I know that, you know, those, you know, the big three, as they're called, you know, Hayden and John and uh, Josh Shield. um, Right. They're all huge fans, you know, of the original movies also. So they know every character, every scene, every detail. (laughs) And if they find a way to bring back the characters in a way that makes sense, then I'm sure they'll do it. The Cobra Kai has just gone over to Netflix, so everybody's anxiously awaiting season three. But I'm, I'm I'm holding my breath a little bit. I'm I'm I, that cliffhanger at the end of season two was nuts. <laughs> well, season three is done. It's yeah. just a matter of okay, what happens now with season four? We don't know because you know when you take this much time off, you know some of sure. the younger characters are like older sure. and yeah. taller. You know, when, especially when you got kids in the show, right? So it's yeah, like, like the guy who plays Miguel. You're like. 
dude, he's going to look like a 30 year old man here in <laughs> too long, you know? Well, so we'll see. Um, but you know, I, I, I like, I, I like the fact that they've taken, you know, something like that and they've kind of created their own spin on it, you know, and, uh, dimensionalize the characters, you know, taking oh, somebody like, I was afraid yeah. they were going to make it like do a thing where they were really going to make, when I first heard that they were doing it, I got really apprehensive. I'm like, mm. oh man, they're going to make Danielson to be at the the bad guy. And they're going to totally like destroy the legacy of, of mm. the original movie. And they totally didn't do that at all. I, I was, I was really impressed with, with how they handled that. Cause that could have gone sideways real fast. Well, the episode that I really loved was where they brought back all the old Cobras. Um, yeah. You know, they, they had that they last night out with the guys that, yeah, I thought, um, you know, well done, you know, and, and a very nice, you know, fitting tribute. And, um, you know, Ron Garrison has since passed, you know, um, sure. Rob Garrison. So, um, I think, um, yeah, that, that's the one I like. Um, I got a chance to interview uh, Ron Thomas on 52 masters too. Did you see that episode? Uh, you know, I, unfortunately, I think I've seen it. Oh, wait, I think, I think I did actually. Yeah. Cause just before, uh, because he was maybe a few episodes before mine was, I think, correct? Yeah, and yeah. Uh, I do remember that now. Actually, really great guy um, knows his stuff, the real deal, and you know, love the fact that he's a you know legit you know, Japanese jujitsu black belt, you know, and he was doing stuff to my neck where I was just like, ah, my neck, ah. <laughs> <laughs> you know, don't let Ron Thomas grab your fingers or your neck, man. That's that's all I gotta say. <laughs> you know, I throw a chair at him and run out, run out the room. <laughs> Right. <laughs> yeah, but uh, yeah, that that's my that's the episode I like very much. Very cool. Uh, you, now you you are uh, in the process of of developing a couple of things. You've recorded, uh, I think, like a teaser trailer for uh, for Xander, which uh, still uh, hope that comes to fruition. I think your uh, your friend Adelson, if I remember right, is is actually doing some comic art uh, for the storyline. If I'm correct. Well. You know, that was a project that um, the cinematographer for The Last Dojo, um, Kurt Abduhan, who's who I call uncle, he was actually cousins to my, cousin to my uh, late sensei, Sensei Richard Robago. Um, you know, after Last Dojo, we were just kind of talking. And it was like, you know, we, we would like to do something that's more dramatic. And we kind of came up with this idea that's sort of about maybe initially about revenge, but ultimately about redemption. And not necessarily mm-hmm. through revenge. Do you know what I mean? Um, sure. And we cut that trailer, you know, which he shot. And I thought, man, that's pretty cool. And the idea was to do it as a web series. Um, we lost some momentum with um, the events of 2020. It's so, just been a, it's been a mess. We'll, we'll we'll leave it at that. Yeah. So we're not sure where. It, it stands right now. There was talk of maybe turning it into a feature and trying to shop it around to, you know, Amazon or something like that. Um, but I'll keep you posted because yeah. um, we would still like you involved as one of the characters. Yeah. So. Well, I'm, I'm, I'm down. Uh, so just all you got to do is ask. Obviously, we'll, we'll have to see what happens as far as uh, how we go about navigating filming in, in the meantime. But but Allison has done some uh, some cool. I, I think he's taken the concept that he saw from the trailer and he's kind of creating a kind of like a a comic book based on what, you know, he's kind of filling in the blanks without really knowing much about the story. And, um, 
it looks pretty cool, you know. So well, um, might help get some ground swell support for the for the concept too. Who knows? Yeah, he's just kind of taking it on just as sort of a passion project, you know. And yeah. uh, you know, there's there's no money being exchanged. There's no nothing like that. It's just like you know, he, he's an artist who's you know a really really great artist who's doing some some cool things. And I'm just honored and flattered that you know he was inspired enough by a trailer to to create some of his own work. <laughs> now, I've shown, uh, shown Andrea, the, you know, the warrior princess, I affectionately refer to her. Uh, she's seen a couple of his, uh, his drawings that he's put up both the, the Xander stuff and some of the, the Cobra Kai work. And he mm. just, it's, you know, the guy's got some talent. Oh, and, for sure. For sure. He's just knocking it out of the park, man, you know, and he's a very nice guy too. And, uh, I, uh, I did send him a copy of the beginner's mind project. So, um, Oh, right on. You know, he, he, he knows, he knows what you and Andrea look like. So I always want to say Andrea, but I know it's Andrea. You know? No, you know, it don't feel so bad because I played in a band with a guy for from like 2006 to 2010, still periodically touch base with him. And still to this day, you know, 14 years later, he still calls her Andrea. <laughs> so I'm like, all right, dude. And, and he's not even like, you know, European. There's no accent. He's, you know, you know, just born, raised. You know, regular old American Joe, and uh, he still calls her Andrea. So yeah. I don't, I don't know what that is, but <laughs> well, I'm working on something else called. Um, initially, we were going to call it Chopsaki, and it's kind of a uh, homage to the kung fu classic movies, the Shaw Brothers movies from the 70s, yep. and samurai movies. And the idea is to do this as sort of a nine part web series. I'm collaborating with my buddy Jim Towns, who who is the he's the uh, series director and editor of 52 masters and jim is really brilliant and just great great filmmaker um he's an artist as well so this is kind of big trouble in little china meets kill bill with elements of highlander and avatar the last airbender the cartoon that, that's the a that's a pretty big range of you know and it, it's funny too because i saw you post it and uh I, like I had to reread it a second time because I, I think he's uh, in collaboration with the Wing uh, uh, Wu Tang collection. I'm like, he's working with the RZA. Well, <laughs> <I'm> <laughs> but work- I realized I'm like, wait a minute, that's not the same Wu Tang. Yeah, okay. you know, I'm working with <laughs> the group, the, the production company that has the rights to all the uh, Shaw Brothers movies, including the ones that they call the Wu Tang, right? Right. So, um, you know, it's. You know Roy Macquarie and um, Dave Paul, so they they actually had found out about me through Fifty Two Masters, and then they met they had a they they had they met up with like Rob Moses and Michael Matsuda. Oh wow! And so they were like, well, "Who is this William Christopher Ford guy?" And you know we were kind of interested <laughs> in maybe putting some of his Fifty Two Masters on our app as well as our. our oh really? You so know. you get some larger distribution on that stuff. That's pretty cool. Yeah, so it's on the app, and you know they they so you know they, we had a meeting with them before this whole thing went down, and you know Jim had an idea for a series, and uh, you know it was kind of like this is kind of cool. So they are executive producers on it and you know we meet every week via zoom and we are um you know looking at putting this thing together and it's kind of it's going to be kind of a fun thing um and interestingly enough there was a gentleman who was in some of these early movies by the name of carl scott he was okay. uh, you know carl scott he's a um, african-american gentleman who's a kempo stylist um okay all right the the, the context is that well and of course you know uh 
probably a different branch, but you know, Kempo is my initial background in martial arts. So, yeah, he's. Uh, uh, I think he might be under Steve Muhammad, Sijo Steve okay. Muhammad. Um, okay, but um, see, uh, um, Master Carl did these movies uh, with Billy Chong, and 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 so those movies are still very popular. In fact, those titles that he's in are still the the top watched movies on this Wu Tang Classics platform because a lot the large amount of the demographic is african american males so sure. he is like still you know very much uh, appreciated and respected and i got a chance to talk with him on the phone i finally tracked him down through my friend chester and he was a very very nice man and he was very um humbled and gracious to hear that you know there's still a following for him yeah and um the wu-tang clan guys are like we got to get him, you know? So they, they want to work with him in some capacity because they know that it's, it's kind of like, you know, this is our Tarantino moment. Uh, you know, this is like our Pulp Fiction where we get to take yeah. John Travolta and revitalize something, you know, if he wants to do that. So it sounds like he's interested, like at least open to the idea, if nothing else. He is. And he was a real gentleman on the phone, you know? Um, That's really cool to hear. Yeah. And you know, I've been trying to track him down for a long, a long time. And then I run into my buddy, GM Chester Whitmore and he's outside my dojo. He goes, Oh, it's just going to the 99 cent store. And I said, it just happened to be here. And I said, you happen to know Carl Scott? And he goes, Hey, let me check my phone. You know? And so <laughs> it was through him that I was able to connect with him, you know? And wow, um, you never know the way you, the interactions you end up having with people. You never know. You never know. And that's why it's always good to be nice to everyone because you never know mm-hmm. because what goes around comes around. Right. And, uh, <laughs> you know, if you're going to be a jerk to everybody, and when it comes time for you to need a favor, they're going to be like, yeah, not right. You know, hell well, no. <laughs> and, and that's one of the things I think is, is, is one of the things that's, I mean, there's a few things that impress me about you, but um, you have been, uh, when I think of people who are uh, polite and, and not in a, from a position of weakness, but in a position of, you know, let me just be kind, right? That's mm. one of the things that's, that's impressive. Um, you know, we talked a little bit about this in, you know, our conversation in my episode of the Fifty Two Masters. Mm-hmm. But this this idea of we get our little camps in martial arts, you know, traditional versus modern, uh, you know, MMA versus you know, uh, like traditional karate or, or 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 even you know, kung fu or wing chun that kind of stuff. We we get the, the you know, you know the the traditional guys, real extreme guys, are like, oh, there's not a lot of you know, MMA is just a bunch of brawlers. And then you got the MMA guys who are like, well, karate doesn't work. And mm-hmm. like, well, then maybe he just haven't trained the right karate. <laughs> like, but it, right. it, it, there's a, there's a certain element of respect that I, I very noticeable. If you spend a significant time in your presence and hearing you talk about uh, your own martial arts practice and your response to the range that's available within martial arts and even potentially controversial figures within the larger martial arts community, you know, I'll, I'll, I'll steer clear of being specific, but there are definitely people that we've both known that have a reputation of being a little, uh, I don't know. And yet you show them tremendous amount of respect. There's no disagreement. There's no, uh, or at least no, you might have disagreements, but you're never disagreeable with them. And you try to appreciate what they do right. And that's that's an impressive thing that I think a lot of people miss. Yeah, I um, I always look for the good, 
you know, I'm always looking for the positive in a situation, you know? So, you know, um, well, what's good about this? Or, or if you can't find something good, what could be good? Right. And that opens up a huge possibility. And I think I first learned about that, you know, uh, I was working at a bookstore many, many years ago in the nineties. And, um, I, I worked at a place called crown books and, uh, it was kind of cool because, you know, you got exposed to these books and I, one of the, I, I picked up this book and it said unlimited power by Anthony Robbins. Yeah. Read it. Uh, definitely made an impact on me for sure. Yeah. And that was the first book I read that it was like, Oh, this is very accessible. I, 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 mm-hmm. I, I it, it spoke to me, but it was the first book I read that went, Oh, you can, you, you can be, you know, master of your destiny and you can control your emotions and, you know, you don't have to automatically feel this way. And, you know, power is the ability to take action. And it's like, how can you take action? And maybe it's like one little thing every day, but you can take action towards your goal. And if you don't get there, it doesn't mean failure. It just means, well, this is the result I got. And what's good about this? Nothing. What could be good about this? Well, and then that starts to open up the possibility. And so when I meet people, and, you know, trust me, there are people on my list that I'm like, nope, <laughs> you know, so I'm no saint. You yeah, know? There, there, well, and there's certainly, there's a reason you haven't asked some people to be on your show. You don't, you know, you want to highlight the people that you have respect for, and at least in some capacity or whatever. Absolutely. Absolutely. I mean, you know, there are people, you know, I, here, here's one of my, 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 my flaws, Sensei, mm-hmm. is that, you know, I do tend to, uh, I, I'm like a cat in many ways where, you know what? okay, we're cool for now, but I ain't going to forget when you try to, you know, squash me behind the couch, you know? Um, yep. So, uh, you know, I, I'm, I'm not like a dog where, you know, I come back and I lick your face, you know, like right. whack my tail. You have your limits is, is what you're saying. Yeah, but what I am able to do is recognize that in myself, you know, like, hmm, sure. you know what? I don't like this about this person and this person treats this pe- people this way. So I, I don't necessarily want to associate closely with them. But then yeah. I have to ask myself, well, what is that saying about me? Because obviously I, I recognize something in myself that I do not like that. Um, so perhaps it is a reflection. So, mm. you know, w- when you put that back into the equation where it's not just blaming, but, hmm, you know, why do I feel this way? You know, what does it say about me? It allows you to be in a, compl- a place of more compassion. And sometimes that's what it takes you know, um, instead of coming at somebody hard, maybe it's like, Hey, are you okay? Can I do something for you? And Hey, you know, how are you feeling, man? And, um, all of a sudden, you know, you get past this protective mechanism that everybody puts Mm -hmm. up because look, we all, we've all been punched in the face, either metaphorically or figuratively. (laughs) Right. And we all put up our guard, you know, and people walk around with their guard and they walk around with their titles and, their status symbols because they're protecting themselves because all of us have been hurt and underneath hurt underneath pain there might be anger right underneath that yeah but underneath well underneath anger there's usually pain and underneath that there's usually love because you don't feel pain you know because nobody wants to feel pain right but it might be because well you really you know you you, put yourself out there and then and you know through either volitionally or just circumstantially that that vulnerability was not respected or not valued and you know what whether regardless of what it is 
you know, like somebody breaks up with you, right? And then, you know, you really yeah. love that person, but then all of a sudden, you know, like you hate them, right? And then it's like, you're so it's mad. easier to hate them than it is to appreciate yeah. what was good about that relationship. You know, but why do you hate them? Because it hurts. But why did, what's mm-hmm. underneath the hurt is because you really love that person, you know? So yeah. that's difficult. I'm not saying I can get there all the time just like that. Sure. But when I stop and think about it, I go, okay, wait a second. You know, and that doesn't necessarily mean some people are like, nah, I still can't work with this person, you know, but it does allow me to go, okay, you know what, man, you know what, that this person might be this way, but man, they sure do work harder. They sure are. And you can find the thing you could respect. I mean, there's, there are several people whose accomplishments, both in and out of martial arts that I respect a lot Mm -hmm. that I'll never work with. Yeah. 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 (laughs) For for a lot of reasons. I hear. And it's, and it's not just a martial arts thing. It's, it's, you know, and, and yet I can still appreciate what they've accomplished. You know, there, there's, uh, there's at least one, one guy that I've competed against a lot in my surfing background who I have a lot of respect for him. He, he, he was a a forerunner of adaptive surfing Mm -hmm. and, and, and kind of making that be a thing. And, you know, we're always cordial when we see each other. But we're never going to go share a beer together. That's right. not happening. Sure. <laughs> so sure. I I totally get that. I totally get that. You know. So um, you know, we just we just try to make it work. You know, let's let's just see if we can all coexist in some you know form or another. And you know, you stay on your side, and I'll stay on my side, and we're cool. You know, um, doesn't mean I'm. You think martial arts has a has a bit to do with with that? I mean, obviously, you read the the Tony Robbins book, but mm. when. I, I think perhaps, and this is just for me, what's allowed me to calm down is when you learn so many different ways that could hurt someone, you know, and not just in a, in a hypothetical sense that, you know, different techniques and, and different levels of skill, because you've been doing this a lot longer than me, we've learned ways that could permanently change or even end a life. Yeah. And when you know that level of, of skill, you know, and you have these things that could hurt. It's important, I think, to know when yes. to do that. And, 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 you know, I think that is one of the lessons that maybe some of the, the newer, uh, uh, for lack of a better term, you know, uh, practical martial arts, people like to call it, that mm-hmm. they could learn from the tradition is, is like, Hey, maybe, maybe sometimes it's, it's not all about learning how to do a, you know, jab, cross hook. It's about learning how to engage with somebody so you don't have to throw the jab cross hook. Yeah, I, I, I totally agree with that. You know, martial arts can give you um, an amazing ability to respond, which makes, you know, which you, that means that you have to have a great deal of responsibility for those, yeah. uh, you know, and uh, I think that. You know the the nice thing about traditional martial arts is that yes, it does. You know, respect. That's that's a, a you know a big deal. Courtesy. Mm-hmm. Uh, I think there's there's a, an appreciation of tradition and discipline. You know, things like that are great in the traditional martial arts. And maybe if you took the traditional martial arts and you you know really tested it out, you figure out a way to make it work too. You know, some, some traditional martial arts in the hands of some people is like, I'm I'm not messing with that person because, you know. Yeah. How many people want to volunteer to step on the mat or in the ring with Theodore Machida? (laughs) Probably not very many. (laughs) Right. But see, you know, the thing is, is that, you know, uh, Sensei Lyoto has also 
uh, you know, taken his karate and figured out, okay, what else do I need to learn or what else, how do I need to adapt it in order to work effectively you know, as an MMA fighter? What I love yeah. about MMA is like, these are the modern-day gladiators, right? And right. I respect anybody who has the courage to train and put it out on the, on, on the line and get possibly get injured, uh, you know, possibly for the rest of their lives, right? There's, sure. there's a tremendous amount of risk there. So um, for that, you know, for I look to MMA for it's like, wow, you know, these guys have guts, and you know, men and women, right? And sure. amazing skill, and they work hard, and man, they are tough. And uh, I admire that courage. But I don't look to MMA if I'm looking for other things as a role model. There's this, you know, that's the fight game. So yeah, that is, you know, that's great entertainment and, and it's real, right? I'm not saying it's just entertaining, sure. but people are entertained by seeing people go for it. Um, but if you're looking for other things, like I want to find inner peace, I want to learn how to relax. Mm-hmm. I want to learn how to maybe deescalate a conflict. I want to look, look maybe more for um, something else, a development of character. You can develop it through MMA and there are other ways to develop it through traditional martial arts. So like, the Star Wars universe, right? You know, there, it doesn't have to be one or the other. If you don't like one, that's fine. If you don't like the other, that's fine. If you like them both, like I do, I, I, th- I think that's the sure. best of all worlds. Um, and well, and it sounds like if if I, it, you know, not to put words in your mouth, but it sounds like you're basically saying, you know, most it, that what's important is to figure out what question you're trying to answer. Mm-hmm. And then to find the the art or the thing that that's going to help you answer that question. It's exactly right, and you know, really, that's what we're trying to do, right? When we're when we are pursuing a martial art or something or whatever, uh, or we want to start a business, or we are going to a business to get something, it's because that business answers our question or solves our problem, and really, that's it. So. How do I get my problem solved? How do I get my questions answered? And if you can do that effectively, you can have a successful business, I think. Yeah. I w- wish it was that easy. <laughs> but but I think <laughs> But that's a good start. That's a good start for sure. Let's, and let's put it into context. You know, that's a good start, but I I'm certainly you know, in, in this time right now, when everyone's on lockdown, including myself, you know, it's it's easier said than done. But that's essentially what I feel. You know, we are doing. We're hey, we are. We're not just offering a service. It's the service of solving people's problem or answering their questions. You know, and if you look at almost even if I go across to the Seven Eleven and I get a drink, the right. problem is they're is solving the. You're thirsty. <laughs> I'm thirsty. Let me go over. To, yeah, yeah, you solve my problem. Take my money. You know, so I, I'm not trying to trivialize trivialize anything here. Or uh, you know, I, I know that there's a lot of people. Man, you know, I, I feel for uh, some of my uh, friends who have had to close their dojos down. Man, you know, yeah, uh, it's 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 rough. But I'm hoping that they can, you know, hang tough and maybe reopen again, or you know, find another way to do it. So, all right. A little bit of a departure, uh, a little bit. We started talking about this before we actually started the recording, and I, I, we didn't get to it yet. But I have to ask. <laughs> uh, so, your a while back, uh, your mom was, and and by the way, I, I had the privilege of meeting your mom at least one time. She's mm. a very sweet lady. Yes, she is. Uh, <laughs> but uh, she, you, you, you threw up a, a picture on her of her on social media of her rocking your Run DMC jacket. 
and 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 so it made me and that was hilarious in and of itself but it had me thinking there's there's this cool overlap and and I don't know what it is but I instinctually trust fellow martial artists more when they know when I know they have an appreciation for hip hop <laughs> I, I'm not well, sure what that is, but there is, there seems to be like a connection to, between hip hop and and uh, and martial arts, and, and obviously, you know, big fan of the Wu Tang Clan. I hint, indicated earlier, but yeah. there's a there's a whole range. Uh, yeah. You were talking about your mom rocking the <laughs> rocking the Run DMC thing. With, well, with, she uh, tried. She tried to steal my Run DMC <laughs> shirt, but I didn't let her. You know, because there's just some things you just you know, even if it's mom, you can't. You can't part with, um, but I offered to buy her one of her own, but she doesn't even know what Run DMC is. She just liked how right. it looked, you know, and, um, you know, I grew up in the seventies. I was born in the sixties, grew up in the seventies, really a lot of, you know, and so I, I was influenced by a station called 1580 K-Day. Now K-Day is back on FM at 93.5. There's my plug, but there you go. Um, and then one of the, fr- I, you know, I, I heard this song called Rapper's Delight by the oh, Sugar Hill Gang. You're like old school. Old yeah. School. Dun, dun, yeah. Dun, 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 right. <laughs> and everybody in, 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 in the school was singing the song. Now what you hear is not a test. Oh, rapping. You know, so yeah. I, I still have it. I have it in my room. I have the original 33 RPM or 33 and a half RPM, man. You know, and so yeah. that was kind of my introduction to it. And then, you know, started hearing things like Grandmaster Flash, the Fuse 5, and, you know, going into the 80s, run DMC, um, you know, and um, I, I just kind of developed an appreciation for it, you know. And, you know, I kind of pick and choose what I like. Sure. I, you know, I'm not a, you know, I don't know everything about everything, you know, but it's impossible um, anymore to know anything about anything. <laughs> well, you know, like there, there are certain tracks from public enemy that right. I really like. Um, sure. Because it's socially relevant today, you know, and it's right. never gone away. Um, but, you know, Biggie Smalls and Tupac and um, Dr. Dre and, uh, you know, there's, uh, DMX, there's just, I, I just, I just dig it, you know? And yeah, I, I understand there's a lot of profanity in it and there's a lot of words that I cannot repeat even in the privacy sure. of my own home and which I will not do, but, um, I find it inspirational and motivational and I, I, I like the storytelling aspects of it, you know, uh, certain, certain artists. So sure. There you go. But Run DMC is kind of like my my old school go to. You know, their 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 music is still fun, and you know, yeah, socially relevant with certain of it. You know, it's like that. You know, and that's the way it yep. is. But some of their stuff was just fun. You know, um, I, I so. remember. You know, because I'm I'm a little younger, right? And and I was I kind of grew up in the '80s, and I remember, you know, the MTV kind of thing. I the, my first real awareness of what hip hop was was the tricky video. Oh, yeah. I was like, what is this? <laughs> and, I, and, I, and I was like, all right, all right, let's, 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 let's. And I, you know, um, thankfully my mom was pretty, she was pretty open-minded and stuff. You know, she didn't really get into it, but it was, she, I was never um, told, Oh, don't bring that, that music home. You know, none, mm-hmm. none of that kind of stuff, you know, yeah. but, but, well, uh, I, you know, and I, I like, you know, Bob Marley in regards to like reggae and things like that, which yep. is, you know, it's a different genre and, and a totally sure. different vibe, but you know, brother Bob was, you know, uh, he was a spiritual dude. And, what is, what is the, uh, the thing with 
jujitsu and reggae, by the way, because I'm sure you've noticed when you've gone to like open mats or something. And because I, I know you do some some BJJ also, like do you notice there's that overlap of like it's either going to be old school hip hop or it's going to be reggae. And yeah, and, there's uh, something about it. That, you know, it's I don't know, man. Just go with the flow and just. You I, know, I can't you know. not think of jujitsu if I hear almost any reggae song anymore. Actually, one love. You know, the thing is, is that you know. What what I love about jujitsu is that you know when you have these open mats, yeah, you're gonna get these right. young agro meatheads who are gonna just sort of break yep. your arm. But you know, a lot of it's very welcoming. Yeah, let's roll, you know, and let's test our let's test out our techniques, right? And yep. Yep. you you know that's that's the way you learn and you grow. You know, the, the more you get tapped, the more you're gonna improve. You know, sure. and you can do it in a way. I think hopefully. Uh, where you're not going to get punched in the face. Um, hopefully, <laughs> you know, sometimes, sometimes you get that heel in the face, you get the elbow in the face, right? Sure. Um, you know, jujitsu guys, their knees suffer, their backs suffer, you know, their necks suffer, their fingers suffer. But although I think a, the more of us that do yoga, we, we hurt a little bit less, you know, the stretching, I, I don't know how I went almost 50, you know, I was 12 plus years into my martial arts journey before I realized, oh yeah, you know, stretching is not a bad idea. Like I, I joke a little bit. I, like, I, I agree, you know. And I like rolling with the guys who are over 40, honestly. Those are like, you know, hey, you know. And when you say, you know, mm-hmm. go light, you know, go slow, you know, flow roll, they really mean it. You know, it's not like, right. hey, let's go yeah, I love you act, then- you act like the 26-year-old guy who used to wrestle in college and he's like a – he got his purple belt inside of like three years of training jiu-jitsu because he's just yeah. an animal. Yeah. And you're like, uh, flow roll. And he's like, okay, cool. This is your definition of a flow roll? <laughs> yeah. Well, you know, back in the day when I was younger, I, I would have tried to like, you know, overpower him. And I've learned, okay, tap quickly and yep. move on and find another partner because, okay, this guy's going to... I've been triangling enough times to know that that's only going to go so far. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. Your, your neck and your shoulder will tell you that you're you're being a meathead. But, <laughs> I hear you, well, brother. <laughs> right on. Uh, well, man, this has been cool so far. I, I think uh, not really sure how much time we got left, but I, I want to make sure that I, I, I try as much as I possibly can um, because I, one of the beautiful things about podcasting is there is no hard limit. Uh, mm-hmm. So I always try to make sure we circle back around to make sure that uh, as much as possible guests are able to, if we didn't get to something that we can touch on, you know, whether it's, mm-hmm something silly or, or just something they're they're passionate about or, or a project they're working on we didn't mention um you did do the last dojo which was amazing by the way and i i felt honored that you invited me to come up there uh for that and it was um i'm glad I, you know never got the opportunity to chain with uh with sensei demura but uh to be able to just meet him the guy's hands are like oak trees i was just mm. it, it it tripped me out how like like I almost wasn't shaking a hand. I was shaking a giant thick branch with bark all over it. It, it <laughs> and he was, he couldn't have been kinder by the way. You know, uh, these old school guys, man, you just, you gotta love them. They're these old warriors, man. So, um, I, I love talking to old boxers who've been mm-hmm. around forever. And I love talking to, you know, old karate guys, uh, or judo guys, just, you're just old old martial arts masters. You can learn for so much from them. That's cool. Well, well, thank you. Uh, if there is, and, unless there is anything else you you do want to make sure we touch on, uh, I 
I want to absolutely express my gratitude for you, uh, for you coming on and having the conversation. Oh, it's been my pleasure. And I just hope that, um, I hope that it was uh, something of interest to somebody out there. You know, we talked a lot, and uh, hopefully, uh, you guys were entertained. And I think so. I, you know, I whatever was. Whatever it is. <laughs> well, I tell you, I was too. And and I hope you know whoever's out there. Um, you know, this. You know, times are tough, and I just you know strongly urge everybody just to keep going, man. Just you know, um, it's easy to say don't give up, but I just keep going. You know, uh, you, you may you might have to change directions for a while, but uh, if you just just keep keep moving forward and you know you'll get out of it and we really have to you know rely on our our true friends and our family and our community can't do it by yourself even though it seems like we're alone right now um you know reach out and uh you know get that help well said um so as i've said many times i'll say it again adventure is a state of mind how you live it is up to you